Amen. I know you're supposed to have your Christmas decorations down by now, but I like that in the church, as Christians, it's okay for us to stretch Christmas out. Would you agree? Thank you, choir. That was good. I invite you to remain seated for the Scripture readings today. We'll have an Old Testament and a Gospel lesson. The first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out. Who spreads out the earth and all that springs from it. Who gives breath to its people and life, to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. The word of life. Thanks be to God. Reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise Praise to the living Word.
I want to turn your attention to the screen for uh, one of my favorite video clips from one of my favorite movies. that video they edited out one uh, word that makes it not showable in the church on Sunday (laughs) so that's from oh brother where art thou a brilliant retelling of uh, the great uh, Homer's Odyssey and uh, so the the lead uh, uh, the story is uh, Ulysses Everett McGill you know, he names him Ulysses, but he goes by Everett. And, uh, but as I've watched that movie many, many times, I've got the thing memorized. It's, to me, it's really a movie about baptism. And if you haven't seen it, I don't think I'll spoil it for you. Uh, I'm going to try not to because it really is worth watching. Um, but Everett McGill wrestles the whole movie and resists... Uh, being managed, being controlled, uh, and, and he resists God. The whole movie, even though there's a prophecy at the beginning that tells him what's going to happen, at the end of the movie, you know, the, the, the sheriff of the state of Mississippi has got him, and they're going to string him up for his crimes, and he's begging for mercy and praying, of course. Every, there are no atheists in foxholes, as they say. And, uh, and then suddenly they're rescued by, if you've seen the movie, water. And if that's not a symbol of baptism, I don't want to know what it is. But then even after that, he still doubts. <laughs> and um, as he would say, he's not going to give his life to spiritual mumbo-jumbo superstition in backward ways. It's fairly easy to see for me why I needed to be baptized. You know, I love the way the one guy jumps in the water and then his friend gives him the hat and he's running to be baptized. Come on in, boys. The water's fine. I mean, I don't know of a better invitation to say God wants to forgive you. And that's what John the Baptist was offering in the Jordan River 2,000 years ago. He was baptizing for repentance of sin. He, and he told him, I baptize with you wa- with water, but one who is coming after me, the thong of whose sandal, I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now see, but I know I need to be baptized by John. I need a baptism for repentance of sin. I mean, that's, that makes sense to me. And many of you, I hope, have been baptized. And at the end of the service, we're going to invite you to remember your baptism. 
And, and, I, and I think most of us would go, yeah, I needed to be baptized. I needed to give my life to Jesus. I needed to have my sins washed away. I needed to be saved. It's fairly easy to see what baptism means. I know we complicate. I love what somebody said before the service today. Where two or three are gathered, there will be dissension. Uh, I know that we can disagree on baptism quicker than we can talk about it. So I'm not going to try to solve all that today, but can't we agree that baptism is a symbol of God washing away our sins and that this is something that's important and it's something that we need? And, and it symbolizes surrendering your life to God. But why was Jesus baptized? I mean, it's really, I don't have an answer to this. I read the church fathers this week to see if they had an answer. They didn't have much of an answer either, I was glad to know. You know, they kind of were going, yes, why was? But there, there are some attempts at maybe a guess, and I'll offer mine today. But why, was Jesus, why did Jesus need to be baptized? He just was. <laughs> Can you imagine John the Baptist's experience one day? Jesus traveled from Galilee down to the Jordan River in order to be baptized by John. We know there were crowds of people. This was a movement of God. People were coming from miles away. People were coming all the way from Jerusalem to be baptized by this wild prophet in the spirit of Elijah. He got up every morning and put on his camel-haired coat and he ate locusts. I, I thought a lot about this. Did John want to eat locusts? Or is that just what he liked? I mean, I don't know. But the Bible tells us that he ate locusts, dipped them in wild honey. But this was a say, this is Elijah. Come again. To set things aright. He's the precursor to the Messiah. We know Elijah comes, then the Messiah. This is Elijah. This has got to be Elijah. Come on. Let's go get baptized. Let's go, let's go surrender to God. If my people who are called by my name will... What? Humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll heal their land. They knew that scripture, which was, by the way, about the nation of Israel, not the United States of America. Although I think it would do good for any nation. Right? But they were coming to John in droves. To be baptized, seeking forgiveness, demonstrating their willingness to follow God's ways. And John's ministry was inaugurated by God. John was clearly a prophet like the nation had seen long, long ago. And I can scarcely imagine what it would be like to be John the Baptist. Baptizing dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, a line of people coming. And surely John had gotten good at reading people. I mean, any pastor, any prophet gets good at reading people after a while. Not always perfect at it. But he could surely see some who were coming who were truly weary of their burdens and needing to be a fresh start. And he could see some that were self-righteous. Maybe it was a little hard for them to get in line with all those sinners, but they got in line nonetheless to get down in the muddy Jordan River and be washed. 
I'm sure he was not unaware when known sinners got in line. You know what I mean. And maybe people whispered. Really, Mr. Tax Collector? <laughs> oh, oh, really? The tax collector's going to turn his life around now? Oh, really? Didn't I see somebody that was in Herod's military detail? I think I know how corrupt they've been, don't you? Oh, really? Look at there. Even Herod's soldiers are coming to be baptized. Really? I mean... John was righteous before God. He was not without sin. But he, he was chosen for such a time as this to prepare the nation to turn back to God. And I do imagine John had seen it all. But he had not seen someone come who was without sin. He had not seen, I don't believe, someone come who was truly purer than he was. More humble more full of light and joy. He had definitely not seen someone come without sin asking to be baptized. I Now look, I imagine he had baptized some Galilean saints. Right? Some people came to be baptized and it's like, wow, even Miss So-and-so is getting baptized? She don't need to be baptized. She built the church. She taught me Sabbath school. But those saints were humble and they knew the ways of God and they knew they needed repentance too. And they came to John just the same. Surely John had baptized some, some good people as well as some scallywags. All the same. But they all knew they needed God's forgiveness. They knew they were yearning for the Messiah, for the one who was prophesied to come and restore the nation the way they had heard it used to be in the days of old when God, when God ruled the people, not some wicked tyrant. Yeah, John probably baptized some people who were pure in heart and even righteous, but none of them were truly without sin. And up walks Jesus. Did John smile when Jesus walked up? Surely he knew him. Right? Did John bow his head in reverence? Or did he look confidently in Jesus' eyes? Was John maybe a little sad knowing that this moment would mean in essence that his ministry would start to decrease? That his time was waning? His influence was going to be falling? Or was John excited knowing that this was the moment that everything was leading up to? What did Jesus say to John when he walked up to him? John, it's time. It's time for me to be baptized. I mean, do you get how, how ridiculous that would fall on the ears of the baptizer? The Messiah? The one? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world walking up to you saying, Hey, will you baptize me? I want to be baptized today too. 
Or was Jesus just in line calmly as they sang down in the river to pray? As the choir sang, did Jesus just line up like everybody else and meet John in the water? I don't know what happened, but I know that John could tell that Jesus intended to be baptized by John. And it made no sense. (laughs) And John says what? No, no, no. Uh, Lord, I need to be baptized by you. You baptize me. Kind of like Peter on the Last Supper. Remember that? Oh, no, Lord. (laughs) You're not going to wash my feet. I'll wash your feet. You're not going to wash my feet. I'm a sinner. But Jesus Christ loves you and me so much that he humbles himself to be baptized even though he didn't need to be baptized. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? Why did Jesus choose to be baptized? The answer, I don't really know. But as I study the scripture and as I study the great church fathers and the tradition of the church to try to understand what in the world to say today, It seems to me that Jesus was baptized to show us the way. He humbled Himself. And a precursor of His later baptism, like He said, I have a baptism to go through and how I'm constrained until it's accomplished. I have a, can you really endure the baptism that I'm going to go through? Talking about His his suffering, talking about his death. So in baptism, the later Christians began to see in baptism was a, a pattern, a type, if you will, of our death and our resurrection. In Christ, Christ died, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And baptism came to mean for us dying to our old self and rising again, not, uh, not improved. Because you can't improve on a dead man. This is a total resurrection. This is a transformation. As an Adam all dies, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Baptism for the Christian becomes this initiation into newness of life. Resurrection. The old man is gone. The new has come. I'm crucified with Christ. And yet I live. That's baptism. And so Christ, I believe, we believe, was baptized not for repentance of sin. There was no sin. He was baptized to show us the way. He was baptized to show us that even God incarnate was willing to humble himself and be washed. Because you and I would need that. Jesus Christ loves you and me so much that he humbles himself to be baptized, showing us how to surrender our lives to God. And so what is the invitation today? 
The invitation, as the prophet Isaiah invites us, is to take hold of the hand of God today. And let God lead you out of your old life and into a new life. The life He has for you now. The word for this is surrender. God invites you today to take His hand and surrender. Surrender. But how do I surrender, preacher? That sounds really hard and complicated. Yes and no. There are some barriers to surrender. There are a lot. There's a lot of barriers to surrender. But I want to quickly go through a few that I think are common that may be tripping you up. They certainly trip me up quite regularly. That's how I know to talk about them. One barrier to surrender is what I call having a case of the when eyes. When I, when I, when I. When I get. A lot of times we do this with New Year's resolutions. When, when the new year comes, then I'll X, Y, Z. Another word for this is postponement. When I get back from my trip, I'm really going to X. When I start going to church again, then I'm going to Y. When the kids, once the, let us get the kids out of, they've got so many activities. When the kids' sports schedules lighten up a little bit, then we're going to. Do you see how many ways we, we postpone into the future an action that we feel called to now, but we have this, our human minds have a really good ability to schedule it. Oh, I know I get to, so, you know, I know I need to get that tooth checked about, but maybe it'll quit hurting on its own, right? Is, is, does this make sense, what I'm saying? So my question would be, if you feel you need to surrender in some way and you're in the habit of postponing, how much time do you need in order to surrender to God? The problem with surrender is surrender can only be done right now. Our human minds love time. So we'll say, I've got to deal with my past, so I need some more time in the future to clean up my past, and then one day I'll surrender. And you know what that means. If that's a way of never surrender. How much time do you need to surrender? That's a false question. Surrender cannot happen in time. It can only happen in the now. The buses will wait. What did Billy Graham used to say? The buses will wait. <laughs> he was a genius at setting the hook, right? But isn't that funny how... Even though we know there's that burning, I need to tell the preacher, I need to be baptized, I need you to pray for me. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some mental game of postponing it. So that's one barrier to surrender, having a case of the when eyes or postponing. Another barrier to surrender is, what if God sends me to Africa? I don't know why Africa is the place that no one wants to be sent. But I have heard it so many times that I have labeled this as point number two. Barrier to surrender. Oh, I'd love to give my life to God, but I'm afraid He'd send me to Africa. Because 
Right? And maybe it's not Africa, but I'm afraid if I truly surrender to God, that God would make me do something I don't want to do. (laughs) Okay, Um, I don't know how to say this, but usually what we're afraid of, God is probably not going to do. Sometimes he might. I remember we had this wonderful missionary come preach at my last church. And we had this worship leader who stood up after the sermon. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you have another person stand up after the sermon, they like to sum up the sermon as they introduce the song? And as a preacher, you're like, no, don't do that. Don't don't reinterpret my words because we think our words are super important. We had this missionary, and it was so great. I mean, she talked about like all these cool experiences on the mission field. And then the worship leader got up and says, I've always wanted to do something like that, but I was always afraid if I surrendered to God, He'd make me go to Africa. Well, let's stand and sing our closing hymn, Here I Am, Lord. And, I, and I'm just like falling onto the floor like, Lord, how do you make disciples with any of us? But I call this placing conditions on surrender or having reservations. Like, I'll surrender as long as you don't make me forgive my ex. I'll surrender as long as you promise that all my children will be happy and blessed and never suffer and never get sick ever. I'll surrender as long as... These are reservations. And any reservation, you know, that's the opposite of surrender. Surrender is all in. You don't dip your toe in the water. You don't set the terms. God is God. You are not. In order to have a relationship with God, only one person in the relationship gets to be God. And so, if you're wanting a relationship with God, you got to decide to not be God. And that means no reservations. And so that means, yeah, you got to surrender. You might be, it might be painful. It might be terrible, but like my, one of my mentors used to tell me all the time, because I, so, I was so afraid that God's will for me was, was going to stink. I was so afraid that God's will for me was going to be no fun at all. It must be hard being a preacher. And what they mean when they say that is, because you can't ever have fun at all. It's like, What? No. So my mentor used to make me pray, not my will, but thine be done, and thy will is awesome. Because, I, because when I would pray, not my will, but thine be done, what I really meant was, not my will, really good, but thine, really bad, be done. And I had to relearn. God's will is good. God's will is good. In fact, my will... <laughs> I got the t-shirt for that. It ain't so pretty. So stop putting this barrier of reservations, qualifications, I'll surrender, but. No buts. All in. That's what baptism is. Come on in, boys. Come on in, girls. The water is fine. It's surrender. Nothing back. Another barrier to surrender is false refuge. False refuge. And this is where we surrender to things other than God. 
I know that I should surrender to God, but that sounds awfully uh, unknown and terrifying. And so instead, I'm going to surrender to numbing behaviors, to other relationships. I don't know why we do this, but we take comfort in the safe and the familiar. You know, a bag of Cheetos (laughs) or a, a lame relationship. God, and I'm not saying don't have a relationship. Some of you have great relationships. But your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> is not meant to be your higher power. They're not meant to be your God, right? And so, But sometimes we can make a loved one our God or we can make a, a routine our God or we can make some numbing behaviors our God instead of... Like what, what, did, God, what did Isaiah say at the end there? I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God will not share His glory with any lesser thing. And then He says, see the former things have taken place, but I am doing something new. New things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. If you want the new... we're in a sermon series about you know, following Jesus during 2020. If you want something new this year, you have got to surrender the old. You can't hold on to it. Another one is, and I, I really sympathize with this one. There are some of you who know Tom, who, who would say, Tom, I'm trying to surrender. I'm trying. I mean, I am praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm going to a counselor. I'm doing everything. I'm trying to surrender. Right? That's familiar. And so I would call this a a, a barrier, which I would just call confusion about surrender. I'm trying to surrender, and yet, that, 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 that. And I would say, whenever I have someone who asks me this, I, I quote an author who helped me a great deal with surrender, who said, um... When, when they asked the question, how do you surrender? He asked, how do you let go of a hot coal? How do you let go of a hot coal? You let go of it. How do you surrender? Surrender. I, I mean, we're, confused. we're making it harder than it is. But how do I surrender? I just don't understand. God is so big and mysterious. How do I surrender? How do you let go of a hot coal? You let go of it. I mean, the other day I was changing a light bulb in a ceiling fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a genius, guys. I'm telling you. How many times does it change to change a light bulb? You know, I'm changing out a light bulb, and I turned. You know, there's only one out, and I turned off the light, and I it had been on a while. And I proceeded to grab, not the dead bull. Well, guess what? I, I'm not that dumb. It hurt. I let go. How long are you going to hold on? How much longer do you need to hold on to your way of doing things? How do I surrender? I don't know. How long do you want to hurt? You tell me. How long do you hold on to a hot coal? Sometimes. Sometimes we hold on quite a while. 
It hurts, it hurts to let go. Three frogs on the log. Have you heard three frogs on the log? How do I surrender? Okay, there's three frogs sitting on a log. Two of them decide to jump off. How many are left? One. One. No, I'll say it again. Three frogs on a log. Two of them decide to jump off. How many are left? Three. Because deciding to jump off a log and jumping off a log are two different things. And so you can sit here, and I love, I have decided to follow Jesus. I mean, we, we could sing that to death. But also, there's no turning back. You can't just decide to follow Jesus. You've got to get up. You've got to get off your tuchus and start doing it. Right? He is inviting you and me. To follow him. Jesus loves you and me so much that he humbled himself and was baptized so that we could hear God say, Hey, this is my son. I love him. I'm so proud of him. Right? Follow him. Listen to him. And Jesus was baptized, and immediately he went into the wilderness and took action. Yeah? And that's our example. How long do you need in order to surrender? The only time you can surrender is right now. I see it in people so many times. I see the invitation to surrender and I'll see their mind go, yep, I know what I need to do and their will start going and I can see that they're not going to do it. They're getting a plan together, but it's a postponement. Because if they really got it, they'd hit their knees so fast or something of that nature. They'd cry out to God right where they are and say, God, wash away my sins. I need a new start with you right now. And if you delay one second, you're, you're not surrendering. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? How do you know when you're surrendered to God? When you no longer have to ask the question. You know. We're going to pray and we're going to sing and you're invited to come and remember your baptism. As you know, you're welcome to come and touch the water. You're welcome to make a cross on your forehead and just remember that Christ has invited you to surrender your world. Now. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. Now. Come on in, ladies. The water is fine. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much for these your servants. Thank you so much for Jesus and for Him coming to show us the way. Lord, we complicate this quite a bit. And Lord God, our lives are filled with hurt and pain and difficulty. And yes, Lord, sadly, many of us, are, we are just weighed down with sin. And Lord, we need a fresh start. So right now, God, I ask that you would forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from our unrighteousness, and let us follow you with joy this new year. Jesus, thank you for your baptism. 
Thank you that you knew what it was to pray to God, not my will, but thine be done. And then you walked through the pain and the suffering, and you surrendered your life. You gave your life upon the tree so that we might be made alive right now, and that we might have eternal life with you forever. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your grace, pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that we don't just come for a, a cleansing with water, but Lord, we come for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit as we say yes to you from the depth of our being. We know that you say yes to us from the depth of your being. Send your Spirit of God and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.